You're listening to ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to Heart Matters, where leading cardiology experts explore the latest trends, technologies, and clinical developments in cardiology practice. Heart Matters is produced in cooperation with the American College of Cardiology. Your host is Dr. Janet Wright, Senior Vice President for Science and Quality for the American College of Cardiology. Sudden death in a young athlete is devastating. It rocks a family, a school, a community, and all efforts are focused on preventing that from ever happening again. Today we're going to talk about the effectiveness of adding electrocardiography to routine screening of young athletes to prevent sudden cardiac death. Is this practice ready for prime time? Our guest today is Dr. Paul Heidenreich. Paul is Associate Professor of Medicine and Associate Professor by Courtesy of Health Research and Policy at the Veterans Affairs Palo Alto Healthcare System. He's also a fellow of the Center for Health Policy and the Center for Primary Care and Outcomes Research at Stanford. Welcome, Dr. Heidenreich. Thank you. So we're going to talk about sudden death, and I want to make sure that our listeners know we're not talking about sudden death in general, but in the population of young athletes. Maybe you could elaborate a little bit on that population so we'll know who we're discussing today. Yes, well, we'll be discussing those who are undergoing competitive athletics. So typically those are high school or college people in sports programs. I think currently it's thought that there's maybe roughly 100 of those that at least brought to the attention of the press who die suddenly during those sporting events. And Paul, that's 100 out of what's the denominator? That's a good question. It's been estimated upwares of tens of millions of high school and college people participating in some form of significant athletics. So we're looking for the needle in the haystack, but a very sharp needle. Yes, you're right. It is very rare in that sense. Some have estimated, you know, it's one million, 200,000 or something, depending on how we define the population. So it is very rare, but as you mentioned at the start, uh, very dramatic, very tragic when it does occur. What are the current guidelines around screening this population now? Well, now it's recommended that participants undergo a focused history and physical exam in the United States. In other countries, particularly in Europe, they advocate for an electrocardiogram in addition to the focused history and physical. And I think that's been a source of controversy in this area for some time. There were findings by some Italian researchers about the efficacy of EKG screening. What were the findings? These investigators from Italy examined uh, the impact of their mandated screening that they put in place uh, many years ago. They found that through this mandated screening, they could reduce the risk of death for the athletes close to the general population who was not undergoing athletics. Very striking results. Some would say too striking I think they convinced the European practitioners that that is how they should practice. And based on that Italian data, they've incorporated ECG screening into, like I say, their usual practice for young athletes. Now, we wanted to ask the question, if assuming that Italian data is correct and we could replicate it here in the United States, would that be a reasonable value in terms of spending money 
for the improvement in life expectancy that we would get from such screening. Now, in screening, especially for low-incident events, part of the trouble can be a high number of false positives? Exactly. And any positive ECG or a positive history and physical would most likely lead to multiple other tests, an echocardiogram or even more uh, invasive tests. And so one has to keep that in mind with any screening test, as you mentioned. And so we included that in our model, if you will, sort of asking what if, and assumed that, yes, for all those patients that were identified, they would then undergo extra tests. We estimated several thousand dollars worth of testing once they were found to be positive on the ECG screen. And Paul, you could measure perhaps the additional costs of tests, but there are costs that are not measured in dollars, right, of finding an abnormal test in an otherwise healthy-appearing youngster? Yes, I think that's exactly on the point. Hopefully, the negative follow-up tests you know, would then allay those fears. But I think there will always be people, and I think this brings up an ethical issue in general. Even with as good as our tests are, we can't be 100% predictive that someone will have a sudden death. And so we will be labeling people as diseased who otherwise probably would have had a very normal, would have been able to participate without a problem. And I think that is an ethical issue that is not yet resolved. A similar case could be made that, listen, this, especially if we're talking about people over the age of 18, why should we just not leave it up to them? Many of them would probably be willing to take a small risk of sudden death in order to participate in athletics. I'm sure many of the high school students would be willing to do that. So there are some ethical issues that we couldn't answer, but we are hoping at least that by doing the subsequent testing, we would be able to be much more confident that heart disease existed or did not exist. If you're just joining us, you're listening to Heart Matters on ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. I'm your host, Dr. Janet Wright, and our guest today is Dr. Paul Heidenreich. Dr. Heidenreich is the Associate Professor of Medicine and Associate Professor by Courtesy of Health Research and Policy at the VA Palo Alto Healthcare System. He's also a fellow of the Center for Health Policy and the Center for Primary Care and Outcomes Research at Stanford. We're talking about the addition of ECG to routine screening of young athletes in an attempt to prevent uh, sudden death. So, Paul, your research focused on the cost-effectiveness of adding an EKG to the screening exam. Before we get to that, maybe you could just outline for our listeners what the routine screening exam consists of. The current exam would be a focused history and physical by a physician or nurse practitioner with a cost of potentially close to between $50 and $100. As we talk about adding an EKG to this, what are the findings that would qualify as an abnormal EKG? What are we looking for on that EKG? We're looking for typically abnormal Q waves or markedly abnormal ST segment changes, often things that would go along with hypertrophic cardiomyopathy or potentially arrhythmogenic right ventricular dysplasia, the former being more common in the United States. Those are the primary things we would be identifying. 
although we realize that there may be other findings there, um, particularly if this is read by a, just a primary care provider, it will likely lead to either a subsequent interpretation by a cardiologist or potentially another test before it's decided that any ECG abnormality is considered acceptable. In addition to that reading of the EKG, this screening process might result in referral to a cardiologist. Yes, that is possible, and for, I think, anything that's considered abnormal, both on the history and physical or on the ECG. So, Paul, I know you are an expert in cost-effectiveness. I'm eager to hear what you found about the addition of EKG to routine screening. Well, we found that compared to what we pay for in a lot of other medical situations in the United States, that adding on the ECG is a reasonable value. For those of you who are used to thinking in terms of dollars per life year saved, the adding on to the current screening strategy cost an additional about $43,000 per life year gain. And that's sort of well within, say, what it costs to provide dialysis for a patient. I'll say one thing we did find that was somewhat surprising, or I wasn't expecting, was that history and physical alone was not very cost-effective. That cost between two dollars and $300,000, we estimated, per life year gain. However, we still, I think, all have done this all along, I think, not thinking that we're highly efficient at identifying patients, but at the risk the, the event is so tragic when it occurs, we're willing to do something a little extra for this population. So I think the bottom line is compared to what we're already doing, adding on ECG, if I guess if we're willing to pay for what we're already doing, we definitely should be willing to pay for an, an electrocardiogram. A painless test. Are communities already around the U.S. beginning to do this? There are a few communities that are doing it, and uh, the, as I believe the Bethesda Conference, 36th Bethesda Conference that came out with a recommendation for the focused history and physical, they did not say you should not do it, and they were not against groups doing it. And, and there are certain communities that have started, usually it's been in response to a death in the community. And many college programs are doing it, as, of course, is at the Olympic level, there's a lot of screening going on, and it's recommended by the International Olympic Committee to have the ECG screen. So it, it has started up, but it is still very rare. Paul, any other screening measures that are under consideration now or might be implemented in certain subsets of folks? No one has yet advocated for something say, more expensive and more accurate, maybe potentially an echocardiogram. When we've looked at that, we've found that unlikely to be cost-effective. But as that technology changes, those decisions may change as well. But for right now, I think the question for the primary care provider is whether to do the electrocardiogram on top of the history and physical. And it sounds like we're landing on the affirmative to that question. I would say it's something that definitely should be considered and discussed with the family, knowing that a positive test will be more likely to identify a patient at risk, but also will lead to additional tests and will ultimately increase the likelihood that someone will be disqualified from athletics. So I'm not saying it's mandatory or poor practice to not do it in cases, but uh, I think it should be discussed with the family.
Any advice you direct to coaches or school boards who are considering this in their community or directly to family members? Yeah, so I think for the family members, one right would need to weigh the you know how important they feel it is to participate in athletics versus the very small risk of sudden death. Now, for the boards and other schools, they may have other interests as well, um, potentially related to liability, for which I think such ECG screening is probably even more attractive. They, I think, want to be on the safe side, while the family and particularly the athlete themselves may be willing to take a little more risk. But I think it's something that should be discussed with your provider when you get to the point of starting competitive athletics. You know, Paul, one of the other experts in the area of sudden death, Dr. Barry Marin, has said our society can't afford the cost of this kind of screening for such a rare event. How do you respond to that? Well, I think we always need to be cognizant of the cost. However, I think compared to what we're already providing, the extra cost in a relative sense is not that much. Like I say, this is less than the cost of a history and physical and probably more accurate than a history and physical. And then I would also point to uh, Europe and other areas in the United States that have started doing this. And while it is a large cost in absolute dollars, I think relative to everything that we spend on health care, it's small. And that's why it's important to look at its value. And we should never just look at the cost in isolation, but what are we getting for that cost? Paul, would you uh, close us out here with any gaps that you see in our research base, our evidence base? Where do you see this research going next? I don't see any trials. There's no trials planned, but I think there will be more and more uh, registry data being collected. Um, More and more data are collected about the accuracy of these tests and the accuracy of the follow-up tests. And I think as we get more of that data, it will clarify ECG's role. We've been talking with Dr. Paul Heidenreich about whether to add ECG to routine screening of young athletes. Dr. Heidenreich, thank you for being our guest today. Well, thank you for having me. You've been listening to Heart Matters on ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. Heart Matters is produced in cooperation with the American College of Cardiology. For more information on this week's show or to download a podcast of this segment, please visit us at ReachMD.com. Thank you for listening.